0: I want to talk about freedom and slavery as it relates to your heart and your life. Now I put a teaser in the theme right at the beginning of the service folder that in one respect and perhaps more than one, our slavery equals our freedom. And our freedom equals our slavery. Tell me more. What is it that this text from Romans 6 tells us we should be slaves to? Well, there's two options. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. The Bible often speaks of antithetical, opposing things. You're either in the light or you're in darkness. You're either in Christ or you're in Satan. So being a slave to righteousness is what gives us freedom. Now, there's a word in there, and I got to admit, almost every commentator boogers it. I only found an old commentary by an Episcopal scholar way back in the 30s, who actually understands what's going on here. Paul says, whoever you obey, whatever controls your life, that's your master. And he says, "Either you're a slave to sin, or you're a slave to obedience." Now almost everybody reads that as active obedience, and somehow they have completely forgotten Romans chapter five, verse 19. In Adam's disobedience, the many were made sinners in Christ's obedience. The many are made righteous. It's not talking about my obedience. That would make no sense. He says you're either a slave to sin, you're a slave to your own self, or you're a slave to Christ's obedience. The fact that he took your place, your judgment, your punishment, even though he was perfectly obedient, And his obedience and going to the cross is our righteousness. Okay, pastor, you got some splaining to do. And many of you have heard this before, so it will be a repeat. But my basic human need, your basic human need, is to feel a sense of worth, and significance, to feel valued, loved, forgiven, accepted. And when you try to do that by yourself, it's called self justification or self righteousness. And uh, the poster children or the post- poster people for that are the Pharisees. They think if they keep their 613 rules derived from the five books of Moses, that God will accept them, God will love them, God will forgive them. That's called self-righteousness. Homemade, I'm doing it myself. Now, we do the same thing. We don't have 613 rules derived from the five books of Moses but we have oh gosh what do we have we have things that we acquire that we feel reflect upon our worth our value as human we have things that we accomplish we think if we have a good paying job a nice family if we attend church pretty regular of course summer is an exception who can ever expect people especially how can pastors expect people to come to church when the weather's nice but we really feel that we have made our lives right if we do these things we really feel that our worth is tied up to our financial worth that our significance is tied up to whether we have a nice family or not. That our job and our status, that our power and our prestige, that the things we do for enjoyment, that's what makes our life right. And you do realize, don't you, that that's a house of cards? Let's just take an example, suppose someone feels their good looks. That's their righteousness, that's their significance. Uh, Guess what happens when you get older? (laughs) It finds the nearest door and it leaves. So if you've built your significance and your value as a person, on how beautiful or handsome you are, that's not going to last. But in Christ's obedience, and you know the passage I quote so often, Christ was perfectly obedient to his Father, and yet in our place he became sin. He became what we are. So that we might become what he is. Perfectly righteous, totally accepted, unconditionally loved, forever forgiven. Nobody can take that away. No circumstance, no individual can ever take that away. That's Christ and what he has accomplished. So if you're a slave to righteousness, Paul says you're free from sin. Okay, how does that work? Well, if self-justification is my basic human impulse, Christ's perfect righteousness says, Dan, you don't need to do that stuff anymore. At least not to gain God's acceptance and approval, God's love and forgiveness. You don't need that. Christ has done everything. Now, please notice something here. Our slavery to righteousness is later called slavery to God. It's slavery to what God has done in Christ. It's outside of me. It's apart from me. It's not controlled or changed by anything in my life. I can lose my job, and I still have Christ's righteousness. My wife can divorce me, and I still have Christ's righteousness. My kids can reject me, but I still have Christ's righteousness. Your life can experience so many dents and scrapes and bruises and battering, and nothing can touch Christ's righteousness. That is yours today and forever. So become a slave to righteousness, which means I can't live without it. My life is dead without it. Christ's righteousness, our slavery to that, frees us from ourselves, our attempts at self-justification. It frees us from being judged and held up to standards by the world. Do you realize how liberating that is? You no longer have to play to the crowd. You no longer have to seek the approval of people. You no longer, even in your own mind, have to seek self-affirmation. I'll tell a real quick story here and then go on to the second point. Uh, I was listening to a, a pastor Christian pastor, and his title of his sermon was, I Am. And I thought, oh good, it's got to be about Jesus. He said, when you get up in the morning, if you want to have a successful life, look in the mirror and say, I am beautiful. I am strong. I am worthy, I am loved, don't go there that mirror is not always going to be your friend. So let's go to the second point. When does freedom Result or become slavery. In 1520, uh, Martin Luther wrote a short treatise, it's easy to read, called The Freedom of a Christian. And in the preface, the introduction, he dedicates it to Pope Leo X. In fact, he addresses it, he sends it to Pope Leo. And he starts out with two statements. And he says, if you can understand these, you will understand Christianity. Statement number one every Christian is a perfectly free lord, subject or enslaved. To no one. Statement number two, every Christian is a dutiful servant, slave, subject to everyone. Pope Leo wrote back to Luther and he said, this is complete nonsense. You can't both be free and a slave at the same time. Well, for those of you who are thinking ahead, what Luther was doing was defining faith. Well, oh, i got to get my hands right, so it goes with my diagram. He was defining faith as our relationship with God. And no one dares step between me and God and say, Dan, this is what you got to do. this is the list if you want god to accept you no 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 christ has already done that i'm completely accepted i'm perfectly righteous in christ but then the second one every christian is a perfectly dutiful slave or servant subject to everyone he's talking about love our relationships in this world, our relationships to people. That because we are totally accepted, loved, and forgiven by God, we are free to be everyone's servant. Now, let me show you something that most people don't think about. If I love my wife Because I'm afraid if I don't, there's going to be repercussions. There's going to be punishment. Or if I love my wife because I'm seeking a benefit or a reward. Incidentally, husbands, you know you do this. You want to get in your good graces with your wife, you buy her flowers, and then you expect her to appreciate you. Luther said, that's not love. That's calculation. You're trying to figure out what's in it for you. He says, real love is freely given. I'm not calculating. I'm not looking and saying, okay, if I do this, what am I gonna get out of it? And of course, that's the way many people approach God. Okay, Lord, if I do this, will you reward me? If I do this, will you punish me? That's not love. Now, this is a long time ago in a sermon, but. Uh, There's a place in Deuteronomy where God says, I love you because I love you. Only when you're free from worrying about your status, your righteousness, whether you're going to be punished or rewarded, only when you're free of that is love really love. If you're always looking and calculating what advantage or what punishment am I avoiding? What vanity? What advantage am I gaining? That's not love. The only time you can become a slave, a subject, a, a, a servant to others is when you are freed from yourself. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and the length of the sermon depends on this. <laughs> Does this make sense? Yeah, you know the right answer. You know where the advantage lies. But that, that is an amazing concept. It's in Scripture. When you are free from having to work to get God's approval, you can love others whether they approve you or not. You've already got God's approval. You've got his acceptance. You've got his love. He fills your life to overflowing with love. Luther often uses the illustration. He says, God fills me so full of his love that it spills over into the lives of others. So quick conclusion, just two summary statements only when we are a slave to the gift of christ's righteousness what he has accomplished for us in our place to make us acceptable to his father only then can we be free without always living life looking over our shoulder and wondering if people accept us, or even looking in the mirror and trying to tell myself that I accept me, doesn't work. Only when you're a slave to Christ's righteousness are you freed from self-interest, self-justification, sin. But once you are free, you freely make yourself a slave. To serve others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, on this 4th of July weekend, we ask that the impact, the power, the wonder, the exhilaration of your freedom would course through our being, would make our toes and our fingers tingle, would light our brain on fire, so that we might be enabled empowered freed to serve others we ask in jesus name amen